Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome along to the very first episode of Flat to the Mat, the brand new MMA podcast from News Ireland. I'm Simon Maguire, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by two icons of Irish MMA, Chris Fields and Paul Redmond. Welcome to the show, guys. All right, how are you? Uh, icon's a little bit strong, is it? I yeah, don't know. Yeah, just I'll, I was... I'll accept it, though. I'll accept it. <laughs> and later on in the show, we'll be joined by MMA writer from TheAthletic.com, Chuck Mindenhall, and he'll give us his thoughts ahead of a stacked UFC 249 card this weekend well first off lads look i don't want to talk too much about life in lockdown but i kind of have to ask so chris i'll start with you how have you been getting on over the last few weeks uh yeah it's been like okay i've been like training wise been trying to get as much in as possible i live about uh 200 meters from my gym so that's sound so i can go in all the time uh use the stuff in there i've been actually doing my son is um my son is four so i've been getting to spend a lot of time with him and i've actually been trying to teach him jiu-jitsu so he's getting taught to be pretty much as bad as I am at it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's enjoying it. That's fun, like. Um, but I'm missing training big time. Yeah, and I mean the the timetable to come back. It could be the end of the summer. Is that anything that's concerning to you, or? Uh, no, I think like you know, there's there's people that know a lot more about this than me that are making the dates. So I'm just gonna go by what they say. I don't have a clue. I'm not gonna go conspiracy theorist, lunatic here, five G masses. I'm gonna be like, if a load of scientists tell me it's best I come back the end of August or the, the middle of August, well then I'll be back the middle of August. And yourself, Redzer, um, just going back to your last fight coming off the coming off the last. Do you wanna do you wanna talk through the fight? I mean you look good, you look sharp and be kind of it was look, just over before we look, knew it. Yeah, I look poxy, looking back at it, I looked I don't think my timing was there for some certain things. Um I probably I probably won the first round looking back on it. Um I came in from the first round and I I actually don't remember walking out to the second round. Not because I got punched and, and guillotine. I was that fatigued and it never happens to me. It really doesn't. Um I was just doing so many stuff, other stuff uh, along with fighting. I went back to work on the building sites again and I was doing like uh my company had let me go down to three days, we'd say. Um, but three days is still like fucking an hour drive, an hour back. That's two a day. 
uh, two, two hours a day, plus our eight, nine hours on site, 20 odd hours a week. Plus, I was still DJing the weekend just because I like doing it. And I was, tr- um, I was doing two sessions on the, on the days I was working. So I was going to like a fitness class straight after work at four o'clock. I'd have like 30 minutes rest and I'd go straight to full on sparring for an hour and a half. You know, I just wasn't right. getting any rest. Yeah, it was, it was stupid. You know, you know how hard a training camp is. Yeah, yeah. And it's the one thing that it's, it's, it's overlooked in, in training is your rest. It's so important. It's, uh, and I wasn't getting any of it. Even on Sundays, I'd wake, like, I'd be DJing till like three in the morning on a Saturday night. Sundays, I would wake up and if I had, if I was like, if I had to go for a run, I would go for a run just to get more calories or whatever. And I, I could give myself a rest for like 10 weeks. And I, I just, I wanted to, I was putting so much pressure on myself to get myself back that fit the way I used to be. Because I was only after having that injury last year. I was only after having that operation and stuff. And I, I just, I, I did too much and I bought, I think I bought myself out about six weeks, five weeks, six weeks into camp. And I just, I wasn't, I didn't show up quite night, you know, and I think I, I could have the beatings of that guy all day, um, which we showed in the post. But look, it is what it is. And what, I mean, what are you going to take going into your next fight? I mean, uh, what, what are you, what would you? Yeah, don't do so much. Go back. I, I'm going to take a full camp off on my next fight, um, full eight weeks. Um, it's, the only, it's the only way to do it. Especially when they compete, like it was fine when I was coming up to say Cage Warriors ranks. I was only earlier on, on in my career when you know you win or lose, the money's not there when you, and you're not even thinking of that. You're not thinking about you know where does this lead to. Um, a loss that loss now is probably out to set me back about a year of where I wanted to be. Maybe maybe nine months. You got to get at least one win back. Then you got to get a, win, a a good win against a really solid opponent to put you anywhere near the upper echelons of sort of Bellator, you know, so it's it's six to nine months at least. So, um, yeah, just got to be a, a bit more professional for the next one. And Chris, I mean, you were signed or scheduled to fight in Cage Warriors in April and you were hoping to fight, looking to call him for a UFC fight then um, end of the summer. How is, uh, what are, what's the plans for you? Yeah, well, um, I'll be ready to go when everything's back in order. Uh, as soon as we can get back training, I'll be back sparring and stuff. I've kept my fitness at a pretty high standard. Uh, so uh, Boylan has said that, um, like Graham Boylan, that is, that they, they'll run the shows in the order they were going. So then the first show that will be on when we're back will be my show. So I'll be ready to go. But obviously the UFC is not going to happen in August here. Kind of that that stuppers those little plans. That was kind of a little thing in mind. So I said the other plan was to then try and uh, fight for that cage warriors title and then call it a day after that. So that'll be my plan. Is your, is your first fight back for the cage warriors? Uh, it's not, no. I'm going to have one before. Light okay. heavy? Light heavy, yeah. Never make a middle way again, Reds. Never. <laughs> uh, it's, a core, it's just one of those things I've noticed in my last couple of fights then too. Um, it's instead of, It used to take me three weeks to make lightweight. Then it took me four, maybe. Now it's taken me a full camp of eight weeks to eight weeks to yeah. it. It's super strict, you know what I mean? Are you just like as well? If you take any kind of period of time off, and you probably did, and um, remember you did your nose that time. It's yeah, yeah. A long period of training off. You actually let your body grow. I had a when I got. That's why I went up to light heavy, and then all of a sudden you're you're just a bigger human because you've been holding your back yourself back for years, keeping yeah. yourself down, you know. 
you take a, a few months off or a few months where you can't train the way you usually do and then all of a sudden you're way bigger like and you're naturally bigger you're not fatter you're yeah, naturally I think, bigger i think every, every, any, anyone in mma is fighting at the wrong weight class the hot like everyone's yeah. fighting that 10 kilos down where they should be i had this conversation with someone the other day it was it was just like a person who liked mma and he was just saying why don't you all just fight at whatever weight i says it's not that easy i said if we go and fight at 77 i'm fighting someone like yeah. yeah, like yeah. John Donnelly, um, Tom Breeze, those guys are sure. made seven. Uh, what's his name from your gym? Uh, young lad from James. James, he's in football. And, but you know what? He, he was actually, I mean, he gets up as far as about 85, 86, and he's still shredded. Yeah, he's cool. Eat, oh, he's like, that's just the way, and he can eat shit and all, like, no problem. And he, he can, just doesn't put it on. Then I'm like, James, how old are you? Uh, 23. <laughs> yeah. Fuck on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Get, get, get the hell away. Just one thing. Uh, the, that thing you were saying that you didn't remember coming out for the second round in that fight, Paul. Yeah. Or you didn't. Uh, it, so normally that wouldn't be the case. Like, I was talking to some lads recently about this, and, and my guys actually, and I never remember anything from fights. Like, I've no memory from a fight. No, it's different. I, I, know, I know what you mean. Like, so, so I, I walk back into this after the change room, or like after fighting the change room, I'm like, how did that go? Did that look all right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. It's from your perspective that you're in the fight and it's in your head, you just, you feel it was a scramble or you feel like it was, the, the shot wasn't that hard and you might have rocked, like, and you looked at it, what, you know, what did it look like? Yeah. But it was different in the sense that you know where you are. You know. You know what you're doing. You know what you're going to come out with. You know it's going to be only bouncing around the second and third round, getting going, getting fired up. Yeah, and I yeah. never had that. I never had that exhausted feeling where my legs were gone. They were just right. I, okay. Because I know I, I've watched it back twice. I just wanted to see what I did wrong. I, I, don't, I don't usually dwell on past fights too much. I might watch mm-hmm. it over and I'll, I'll just leave it away. I leave it alone. But remember. First round, it, the big thing we were looking at in, in hindsight is that a big right hand and a guillotine. And a guillotine. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He catches a lot of guys. He's got heavy hands. He, he was coming up a weight, didn't cut too much weight. And I asked him afterwards, he was, he was getting the same, going down the better weight. He was getting a point in the harder, harder, harder. So that's why he came up. And he was coming off the back of a loss to AJ. But I remember looking at it at the fight and my hands are nice and high. They're up here. I was checking his big overhand right. It was, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot there, you know what I mean? I caught him with a big throw halfway through the first round. He caught me with a little trip back. It was a bit back and forth, but I think I was just hitting him just for the 10-9. And then the second I came out in the second, my hands were at my waist. Like, right, yeah, shot. I, just, I, like... I just had nothing in me. And it was just, it was the most, it was the weirdest sensation I've ever had, ever. Because I always tell the, any of the, the young lads that put me for a voice in the gym, right? they'll just say, you know, what can I walk better? What can I do this? Or what should I yeah. get, your, get your fitness up. Yeah. No, you, you, your technical comb as it comes, you know, that's based on, or, you know, your ability to learn and how much, much time you're putting in the gym and stuff. So that'll, that'll steady progress on itself. But just get yourself fit as fuck. Yeah, you're, you're, in, you're in control of your fitness at yeah. any point in your career. You're in full control yeah. of it. You can, you know, you can't, um, you can't have black, black belt level grappling just by trying a little bit you know kind of way but you can have fitness so. black belt, you, you fight a black belt and he has no fitness in you do that's how we won a lot of fights is my fitness like, and, and I know it is I'm not, I'm not the most technical guy in the world 
um, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, I, I'm fighting, I'm usually... I'm fit and tenacious, yeah. Yeah, I, I usually walk into the arena and that's one thing I literally don't even think about. Am I fit for this fight? Then if, you, if you're thinking that, you haven't done enough. Yeah, and you'll always be questioning every shot you throw, every move yeah. you do, because you're going, oh, is that taking too much out of me? Is that kind of, yeah, is that going to drag too much? Yeah, that's, that's the problem being a light heavyweight. It doesn't matter how fit you are, you're going to get tired anyway. You're yeah, moving around fat piece of shit. <laughs> 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 well, right, you can go now, good. Simon, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, lads. <laughs> Speaking of uh, big guys, uh, Inganu and Rosenstruck are on the uh, on the main card this weekend at UFC 249, and that's that's going to be some fight. I mean, I've probably seen the Rosenstruck uh, fight that he did against uh, Overeem. Overeem, yeah, and uh, you know he looked aggressive, looks he looks like he can hit hard. I just think uh, I haven't seen enough of him to say he's going to beat Inganu. I'd say like. For me, just I've watched a good bit of uh, both, and like I think if you're going to try and beat Ngannou, you're trying to wrestle him, take him down, tire him out. I don't think Rosenstruck has that in the in the arsenal really. Like so, I think it could be a bad night. I don't want to be standing in front of that boy, you know. Yeah, I don't want to be standing in front of either one of them. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, Ngannou has only lost three decisions, and they've all been, you know, and any time you take him out of the. Second round, really, he's he, he kind of struggles with his with his fitness and his, his power might wane a bit. Plus, Stipe's, uh the way Stipe did it was really nice. You know, he knew the big right hand was coming after, like, and he just slipped and he moved. I just thought he played that really nice. And then there was that horrible fight then against uh, Derek Lewis. Who else beat him? Oh, it's a second fight in. Uh, give me one sec. Well, yeah, I think uh, I don't think a man Rosen Shooks is uh, as slick as uh, no. Steve. You know what I mean? Zumanu Cisse in his second ever fight went uh, decision after two rounds. That was back two in rounds. 2013, yeah. In France, obviously, with yeah. their mad rules. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't even class that as a fight. Like, you're, yeah, not even allowed hit, you're not allowed to strike in the ground or anything mad stuff. That's that bank race stuff, is it? Yeah, they, they've just legalised, apparently they've just legalised MMA now. Before it was like, you can kickbox on the feet and grapple on the ground. So it's like, all your, all your amateur, that's basically an amateur fight. You know, Remember the basically. OC class? The yeah, OC yeah. class, that's exactly what it is, yeah. Exactly like that. But half, that's what I'm saying, half of those European guys that say, oh, I didn't really fight too much of them because I think I fought one. I know Siri fought a guy with like 42, 43 pro, pro fights. Yeah. And... Uh, Half of them were those type of, uh, were those type of like two rounders. No headshots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you're both going with then for the win, are you? Yeah. I'll go big TKO, I reckon. Big TKO. Yeah. And will that set him up then for a, another shot at, C- uh, at Stipe, do you think? No, because I think Stipe is going to fight DC next. I think that they'll, the UFC will do that. That should happen. But DC has been on calling them out. And it's a fight that makes sense in terms of the one each, it sells, people are going to pay it. You know, the UFC doesn't care who deserves the fight next. You know what I mean? Yeah. What sells more tickets? I, I'd like to see um, DC and Ngannou as well. That could be interesting. Yeah, I think. I think, I think, I think DC just yeah. stack on double legs straight away from him. 
Uh, bring bring back Rumble Johnson and throw him in there with Ngannou. That's what I want to see. Very nice. Is he, he is coming back, isn't he? He was talking about it. That's a knock right there. Those two boys swinging each other. I remember being over in, me and Neil were over in the UFC Sweden. I think that was the one the night I made my debut. And it was weird because they did it at, it was a UFC on Fox card, but they, they were doing it for American times. It was to suit the oh, Americans. So it was like 1am, 2am. So, Siri, Siri was second fight of the night and he walked into the ring about five past 12 in the, like in the morning. Like, and I went in about half 12, quarter to one. Uh, Rumble Johnson fought Gustafsson at half five oh, that yeah. Moment. And blew his head off. Yeah, I remember that. It's good scrap. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a how like he was what he was fighting that well to wait, dude. That's well what Siri said. So we were in the back like two days beforehand. Like, everyone was hitting pads. Like, the red corner was in. You know the way they do it in the back, Chris. Like so, it was like on the Wednesday night. Everyone cut a bit away. Everyone miserable. Johnson walks in. Oh, I'm gonna check my weight. Gonna check my weight. You know, pulled his top off. Shredded like shredded. Yeah. He, he was good. Siri just looked at me and says, Anthony, how the fuck did you ever make 77 kilos? <laughs> Johnson just shrugged his shoulders. I was just look, you know, just, just look, just I guess. Look. Sure, he yeah. missed it then a middle, didn't he, when he fought Vitor? He missed it by a huge amount. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Moving yeah. up, like, mental like, and, and apparently he's like 280, 290. Now he's going to have to cut fuck. the heavy. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he's a freak, like, he is a freak, like. But that's that's the fight in Ghana and him. That's, I like what, it. that's what I'm looking for. 13 hour yeah. time to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, just before we move on to the, the main card, uh, I caught up with uh, Chuck Mindenhall um, from theathletic.com and I asked him, even if Tony Ferguson is on a 12 fight win streak, if it was a must win fight for him. You know what, man? It's it's a must win in the sense that if we ever want to get that uh, Habib Namarga Madoff fight, and I know this is selfish, man. This is almost from a uh, a fan, a long suffering fan point of view, but I think that it's a must win in the situation to get that big fight. Um, but is it a must win in terms of like his where he's at in terms of his legacy or anything like that? I don't think so. At 37 years old, man, putting together a 12 fight win streak. And against the kinds of names he has and with the kind of style he has, which is not always invested in his own uh, self-preservation. You know what I mean? Like he fights a very specific style. I, I think that he has uh, he, a loss isn't going to devastate that. The only fear I have is that we would never get the fight that we keep trying to get again and again with Nermaga Madoff. I think that that's really the the uh, the high point of the stakes or the depth of the stakes is really losing that fight. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that as well because it's if like when Khabib comes back, let's say it's August, you know, let's be uh, optimistic. Yeah, you know, he's going to have either the winner of this fight and then probably the Conor rematch, and then so if Tony doesn't win that fight against Gaethje, he could be, you know, the middle of next year. But that stage he'll be, you know, like on at the 36, 37, 38 years of age. You know. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it, you know it's funny because. I, as you know, man, you follow this sport. You've, they've tried to make this fight five different times. And each time, I believe that this fight has escalated in terms of magnitude. Like, it has gotten bigger. It's taken on further storylines. Their streaks have gone on. The air of invincibility or, like, momentum's colliding has only strengthened through this whole thing. It's just the thing that you worry about is at some point they're going to miss um, you know, putting them together at the perfect time or getting them together finally at the perfect time. Uh, I still hold out hope because I, you know, it's like this, this, 
this fight with Gaethje between Ferguson and Gaethje is a true crossroads, man. This is the fact that Ferguson cut that weight just a couple of weeks ago. And there's all this, uh, you know, there's, it's just kind of like intangible things that you have to start looking at, too, in terms of uh, Gaethje, what he brings to the table and all of that. You know, you put that all together. This is not a slam dunk fight, man. It's like uh, Gaethje could win this fight. It's just um, it feels very I think that that adds to the excitement. It's just the general chaos of MMA that something will disrupt with the thing we're trying to get to. But you kind of hope. Whatever happens, you just hope it shakes out the right way for that fight in the end. I think that that's the uh, the subtext of this fight. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at Gaethje's record there, and he's only gone to the judges twice in 23 fights. That's an, an outstanding kind of... <laughs> yeah, that says it all, doesn't it? It does. I, I mean, it's going to be a super fight. I mean, not to be too obvious, it's going to be a super fight, but how do you see it playing out? Or, you know, if you had to put the house on it, which way would you go? Oh, man. Thank God I don't have to put the house on it, <laughs> Simon. Oh, you know what? Honestly, the way I, I kind of see this, and it, it's I think this is generally just me tracking the patterns of MMA and how chaotic it is. I see Justin Gaethje kind of out Ferguson, Tony Ferguson. This, it's, I mean, this is just my hunch, but that there'll be some mad exchange at some point where he'll 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 clip Tony and put him into some kind of trouble. I don't, and you know, it's I'm I'm completely esoteric with this pick, but I'm like I I just see something like that going on because I think. From where Gaethje is at, he's kind of refined his own thinking. I think he is in terms of like kind of disrupting the show and maybe getting his own. Uh, you know, obviously he's been wanting a title and there's a uh, a uh, placeholder in play with the interim here, so he's able to kind of secure himself a big future. I just think he's ready for this fight, man. I uh, I think this is his big showcase moment in the UFC, and uh, I, for whatever reason, man, I just see him getting it done. I just think that his blitz, the way he goes at guys, will be a little different. His pressure and stuff than maybe. Ferguson is used to, and he'll be able to counter some of that aggression uh, with his own. I'm just looking at the, the the co-main. We have Dominic Cruz, who hasn't fought since the end of 2016, stepping up, uh, you know, to try and reclaim his belt against Henry Cejudo. Were you surprised when Cruz was announced as the opponent? Oh man, I was surprised actually. Generally speaking, Dominic Cruz is kind of hard to obviously to book into fights. And, you know, it takes a pandemic and all these weird, uh, you know, machinations that the UFC is trying to do where he can he finds a way to step in. Um, it's just it feels very dominant, Cruz. It feels very UFC to kind of brush him off in a moment like this. I like the idea that on, honestly that this fight is fascinating to me on a lot of levels, but it's playing under the radar basically of the Gaethje, you know, Ferguson and plus the depth of this UFC 249 card. It's not really getting the shine. Probably it should. But to me, man, I'm always about these rom- like kind of more romantic storylines of Dominic Cruz and what he's had to overcome and also being kind of the original guy of the division, you know, the original face of the division, taking on basically the guy who is just now um, getting his footing as the champion, as the bantamweight champion and crossing them. Right. Because I feel like if Henry Cejudo wants to be, you know, realize the depth and have the perception uh, as the bantamweight champion, the real bantamweight champion. Who better to get through than Dominic Cruz, right? Like, I, I even though he hasn't fought all that many times uh, in this last decade, I still feel like he has that. So, this is uh, it's a it's a great fight from that standpoint. I guess now you wonder in what form Dominic Cruz is in after three and a half years out. Yeah, it was kind of you really are kind of wondering how he's going to come back. Um, I mean, even just looking at the head to heads, Cruz is five eight, Cejudo's five four. I know Cejudo's naturally kind of a flyweight. And yeah, he's coming up. 
we don't know how Cruz is going to... There is, there is that kind of air of nobody knows what's going to happen here. What's Cruz going to be like? Can Cejudo kind of pressure him or will he be too small? How do you see yeah. the fight played out? Yeah, and I mean, I honestly, like, because we've had such limited, um, such a limited idea of what Cruz is, and obviously, man, like, coming overcoming so much of what he has, and I mean, just the longest breaks. We know he doesn't believe in, the, like, the cage rust. That goes all the way back to when he beat T.J. Dillashaw. Um, you know, four years ago out in Boston, he was he made a big deal of that. This time he's laid a lot lower. I do remember, you know, there there in his in his vintage form, you know, he wasn't as he wasn't an easy takedown. And the fact that he is kind of lanky and he kind of, you know, he he knows how to kind of leverage his body a little bit. I think he's going to make it difficult for Henry Cejudo to get that done. But given that Henry is, you know, the fresher fighter, his whole career has played out in those, in, you know, basically in, in the four fights that we've seen Dominic Cruz from 2011. Henry Cejudo has went to Olympic trials and his whole career, UFC and otherwise, has played out during that entire time. It's the, just being that, um, you know, that steady and fighting and, and improving the whole way. I think I see Henry Cejudo getting this done probably through points. I think that he'll pro you know he'll probably make it a little ugly. I think he will get the takedown at some point. I think he will you know, kind of rough the fight up where he needs to. He's I, I don't think that Dominic will be as evasive as he's been uh, in the past. So I I, I just kind of see maybe Cejudo winning on the scorecards across five rounds in the end. But uh, honestly, man, I feel like that it's, it's the same thing. These fights are so close. Um, that it just feels like a complete, like I'm just throwing stuff against the wall when I make that prediction, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is one of those could go either way ones. But do you think a win, just to back up what you were saying there, do you think a win for Cejudo will kind of, even though he is a, a two-way champ, do you think a win over Cruz will put him in the same bracket then as Cormier and McGregor in that he's beaten Johnson and he's beaten Cruz? Yeah, man, I think it should. I really do think that, uh, you know, beating Demetrius Johnson... And of course, the fight was very close, right? Like, but he he got he gets that done. He has that on his record. But it's not, and it's just to beat Dominic Cruz in any form. I, Dominic, the weirdest part about him is we saw him at his worst or his, at his most bewitched his last time out. There's also that little intangible of how he's going to respond to that loss, even though it was three and a half years ago. But I think beating Cruz, man, just given his name and beating Demetrius Johnson, also, man, T.J. Dillashaw. Of course, the, there's some taint on that name now, but. You know, beating T.J. Dillashaw, beating Marlon Moraes. I mean, to me, that four-fight streak would be one of the most impressive in, uh, in UFC history. And just given the magnitude of those names and everything that they've accomplished, I can't help but think that Henry Cejudo, as much as he might make you cringe on, you know, like from a fan's perspective, uh, the way he is and all that stuff, it it would be undeniable at that point that he belongs in that, you know, the very special elite uh, pantheon of greats at that point. Yeah, and just uh, moving on to the prelims, um, like it's a hugely stacked card, but the, the main event in the prelims obviously sees Donald Cerrone take on Anthony Pettis. And I have two questions about this. Uh, first off, just about Cowboy himself. I mean, he's 37 years of age now, a record of what, 36 and 14 at one no contest. Yeah. You know, he's lost his last three fights by stoppage. Is it time for him to consider hanging up the gloves? Man, it's funny because... I feel like we've had versions of this conversation, not you and I specifically, but us in the MMA community. Because if you remember in 2017, he lost three fights in a row as well. And it really did look like, um, you know, it might be coming to an end because he'd had so many fights by that point, And yet he tears off, you know, uh, you know, like another win streak after that, where he's uh, and beating guys very impressively. It was like we introduced the dad 
Donald Cerrone. Remember, like, so he's he's remotivated. He's got all these things going for him. He's very difficult to gauge. The only thing I really know about him, man, is uh, the times he's been embarrassed, like when he loses to Darren's Hill, you know, and he gets kind of he's just um, the smaller fighter. He just gets worked in that fight. He has a big bounce back. It's like he comes in there, uh, you know, like his like his his boots are on fire or something bad. I mean, he goes in there and he throws down that Yancey Madero's fight back in the day. I kicked off his kind of resurgence, and then he was able to keep going. This time he's coming off of something where he was embarrassed, I think. And he has discussed his, you know, with the Conor McGregor fight, but he has discussed his kind of like, uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know, you know, why I didn't show up in my vintage form. And it just didn't want, you know, whatever it is, like indifference to a big fight like that, he seems to respond. He said these types of things before. He seems to respond so if he doesn't show up, if he doesn't show up and kind of show flash that vintage cowboy thing, I do think that this would be the moment you'd be like, wow, man, he's broke the pattern and now he's lost four fights in a row. And you would really start to wonder how much he has left in the tank to give at that point. Yeah, I mean, even like if he's saying himself that he doesn't know what went wrong. I mean, you look back at like Mickey Ward and he was doing his, his trilogy yeah. with Gatti and he said he was ready to go again in the third fight. But he was around four or five and he just said. His body wasn't there. He just didn't have it anymore. And he yeah. got that and he walked away. I wonder, is that Cerrone realizing that, you know, he doesn't, he, he just can't do it anymore, but he just doesn't want to realize it. I think it's a great possibility, man, because um, you think about the way those guys sparred as well. Like, you know, this is the guy who has the BMF ranch in Albuquerque and all the guys that you've talked to about like the years training with Cowboy Cerrone, uh, you know, they, they talk about just hard sparring sessions. So it's not just the cumulative um, time in the octagon and all of the fights and all of the wars he's been through. It's everything he puts himself through outside of it, too. And we know he's a bit of a thrill seeker and we know he's hurt himself, um, you know, adventuring in the outdoors, man. I mean, he does all kinds of stuff like all the time. I, I just you do start to wonder at some point, man, like, you know, you rent these bodies on Earth for as long as you can. and You wear them out. He has certainly got the most use out of his for a guy his age, man. He has put it through the test in every possible way. And you do wonder, uh, even at that younger younger age, he's not the youngest guy, but at what point will his body betray him? And honestly, man, it's not very good indication when when he was saying basically what he said against McGregor that he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't as responsive. His mind and his body weren't uh, in coordination with each other. It does raise a red flag, right? So I'm like, if you see that again, it just it might be that moment for him. Uh, unfortunately, man, I think he's become a staple of the UFC, but I think that's about where he's at. Yeah, no, I think as well, if, he, if he's in the unlikely event that he's listening to this, that uh, it's, you know, we're both fans of his. We, we were talking about this during the week, how we're going to approach it. And it's it's just, you know, to see that fighter, you know, like even Michael Bisping said, he shouldn't have taken the gas in them fight. You know, it's just kind of, or Mike, Mike Tyson getting stopped yeah. by Kevin McBride and Danny Williams towards the end of his career. You just don't want to see a great fighter you've enjoyed watching for years and years take unnecessary punishment. It's true, man. And, you know, the way, is it, McGregor kind of just, the way with those those shoulder strikes and just, taking it to him so quickly. But before that, you know, Ferguson and Gaethje, we're talking about the two guys that are going to go to war, two buzzsaws going at each other in this card, and that why that's exciting is the lack of self-preservation in a fight like that. Those are the two guys that beat him before McGregor violently, and uh, you just think, like, Ugh, you know, he is he's reaching that moment, and he's been very good at stretching his career as long as he can. But when you see a guy just getting KO'd and TKO'd, uh, especially in later ages, especially as a father and knowing his backstory as much as you do, it gets tougher and tougher to watch. So um, 
for his sake, man, you hope he goes in there and uh, and he doesn't put us through one of those cringe those cringe moments. Yeah, and I think I think why I'm kind of I was harping on about this point was he's going in against Anthony Pettis. I mean, it's not exactly a, a farewell fight, you know. He's got a rematch with Pettis. I mean, they, yeah. they fought once in 2013, and Pettis sawed him down with a vicious body kick. But Pettis turns up the fight, you know, and he's just as exciting as as Gaethje and Ferguson, you know. Oh, for sure, man, and obviously, like. Uh... You know that Pettis Ferguson fight, you know, was a, was a fun one, and just I think that Anthony Pettis at some point, I don't know when it is. I think it was after kind of he he cut down to featherweight uh, a couple of years ago, and he was still looking at you know UFC gold. He wanted to kind of get back into that realm. I think at some point it just kind of clicked to him that like, hey man, I don't care who I fight, let's get exciting fights, let's make the money, and let's put on the fight that the fans want to see. Like he's crossed over into that domain more so, like it's a little bit more rootless than we were used to. Uh, for a guy like him, but man, he has been, I mean, he's not, he's going down swinging in his fights and, uh, has he lost a step? I think he has, he's 33 and he's been at it for his whole life. You know, it's like, it's one of those things where cumulative damage. So it's a totally different situation than 2013 when he fought Cowboy. But, um, I, I, I think that Pettis is in a little bit looser of an atmosphere. Like I think that he knows where he's at and, um, I think he's pretty primed at this moment, you know, just kind of do what he's been doing. And uh, I feel like for whatever reason, the pressure isn't so much on Pettis. And it might just be because of Cowboy's um, high profile last fight with McGregor. It might just be as simple as that. But Pettis, I feel like, has nothing to lose in this one. You know what I mean? Like he can go in there and uh, I mean, he has something to lose. But I feel like he can go in there a little looser than Cowboy. All right. So that was Chuck Mindenhall there from theathletic.com. And Chris, you know, it's obvious there that we're both fans of Donald Cerrone, but and I, I, we're not trying to call for him to retire. I suppose we actually are calling for him to retire, but do you think maybe it's time? You know, he's had three pretty bad knockout losses. He's been in the ring. He's been in the octagon nearly for 50 fights. Um, and it just, you, you don't want to see a fighter like that who's, who's excited the fans for years take much more punishment, you know? Yeah, I think um, it's a little bit different than, um, say, like, I, I don't know, I'm weird, like, with this... Uh, I, I come from the same side as you as I'm a fan of Donald. Don't want to see him get hurt. Don't want to see him take any more damage. I'm also, I feel like a man should be able to make his own decisions whether he wants to retire or not. You know, if he wants to still do something and he feels he can do it. Like, it's not like he's doing it, like he's losing to low-level guys. He's losing to the best guys on the planet. Like, the very best guys on the planet, you know? So, I think he... um it'll be interesting to see how this fight goes i think it'll depend on like even if he loses that doesn't mean he should retire but how he loses might define how he goes you know so if it's a big knockout loss early and he just gets overwhelmed again um like like what his his last three losses are ferguson gay and connor yeah sure like like the two of them are fighting for the belt and connor's going to be first in line yeah, and I, don't, I don't think anyone's. I don't think anyone's suggesting he's a bummer at him, but it's just. I mean, the Ferguson, his face at the end of the Ferguson one, you know, was was hard to look at. And then you know, Connor knocked him out with shoulder shots, really. And it's just you wonder if his chin is gone. And like even Michael Bisping there, we t- you know we talked about the the fight with Gaston, and he shouldn't have taken. So it's good to get your perspective from. It. I just I I just I yeah, get and, and I get like like I'm the same, and I'm sure Paul's the same. Like that, you know. I don't I don't like seeing lads take any more damage than they need to. But then on the flip side, I don't like. Telling lads they should have to retire. I think lads should be able to make their own decisions on that. You know, they should have smart enough people around them to make those decisions for them. Yeah, sure, Andy, think... Andy wouldn't let Paul go on there if he felt like it was a danger to him. 
No, I mean, I think I, I think it's a hundred percent. I think if you look back at it, like the likes of BJ Penn and like that, a bunch of yes, but oh, you're gonna beat this guy, BJ. Yeah, with what, like, temp, you know, um, in, in the in, in the third round, getting uh, uh, getting fed to Rory McDonald, getting bet around. You know, you have the beatings of this guy. Get those people away from you. You know what I mean? They're not they're not good people. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, look, like Chris was saying, he's fighting absolute top tier guys, but. Because he has done that all his career, well, you, you can't, you can't initially, you can't say, right, you're going to be more or less a gatekeeper now and just fight the up and coming guys, you know. And if they beat you, they're going to get the board hurt shot. If not, then you know, are you going to, are you going to give lesser opponents now, or you know, where where is that? What what are you going to do with him if he's not fighting the top three guys? I think it becomes like maybe um, those kind of exciting fights and maybe. Uh, like what they used to do, like used to do, and um, almost legends fighting legends, where it's like a guy is the thing. Like, they feed him, like if they give him, like, like this fight, actually, him and Anti Pettis, like people are, uh, like I was listening to yourself and Chuck there, Pettis is on the same kind of skid, and he's lost yeah. to the same kind of guys. <laughs> but no one's really caring, and no one's saying Pettis should retire if he loses. Same boat, it just, I think, um, Cerrone's fights, even though they were against the same people like Ferguson and so, they were more high profile because I think Cerrone probably brings that a little bit, and then obviously Connor brings that kind of notice. But yeah, Cerrone's getting them just when they're going to get title contention. Like I think, you know, don't fight as often. You know, I know you like doing it. Maybe yeah, just do it yeah. twice a year instead of eight times yeah. a year. You know what I mean? Give yourself yeah, like like those four losses would have been spread over two years there. And it wouldn't have looked as bad. It wouldn't have seemed no. as bad. You know, kind of way. It's the fact that they're all fresh in everyone's head and the, the, the blood on his face is fresh in your head and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Plus, the amount, I think, like, even even though he's, take, even he's taking the fights and stuff like that, um, I know Chuck was saying about the sparring sessions. That's yeah. more competitive back-to-back camps, you know, essentially. That's, yeah, repetitive sparring. Like, we do two good, solid sparring days. And if you need to work on some certain stuff um, on your stand-up, you'll do it. Uh, your nogi rounds and all this there. Do two specific sparring days. And in the places I've trained uh, abroad, like TriStar or where else was I? American Top Team. I did, uh, it was two solid days sparring. Tuesday morning and Saturday morning. Saturday morning, you only had to do sparring. You didn't have to do that that evening. Yeah. Tuesday, it was sparring that morning. You might do like, grapp- like grappling or technique that night, but it's not too hard. Well, you just can't do it. Like, he's the boss down at BMF branch, you know what I mean? Do, do you reckon he is sparring? Do you reckon he's probably not sparring if he's the boss? Do you reckon he's going ash? We'll leave it off today. I reckon he's, I reckon he's taking in guys that he's probably getting the better of consistently down there, you know. Because um, he's gone out of uh, Jackson Wink on John. Jackson uh, Wink, yeah, yeah. So and I don't, I don't ever hear any names of guys going down there or name guys going down to the BMF yeah. branch. I know he has, um, what's that very high level glory kickbox that has crossed over? Yeah. Yeah, he, he pads them and stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, like, I, won't, I won't like to be in that situation where I'm the boss and giving myself the rounds, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're going to be sitting in the mail or you're going to be fucking. I'll, yeah. I'll go with you first. And then I'll get you for the rest round in between, yeah. and then I'll get you yeah. in for the turf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Joe, Schilling. Like, Joe Schilling, that's it. Joe Schilling. So who are you taking, Chris, for that for you? 
Um, like Pettis, Pettis did not look good against Diaz. He didn't. Didn't look good against you know, Diaz. I, I, I thought he looked great against. Uh, well, it, looked, it, it was just it was a crazy fight him and Ferguson. Um, yeah. Uh, I was gonna... lucky against Wonderboy. Very lucky. Like I know no punches lucky. He was getting battered before that though. Yeah. Getting lit up. I'm gonna know, go it's not Pettis. like you're gonna go with Pettis. Yeah, I'll go with Cerrone just so we can argue about it next week. Then. And the <laughs> other thing I'm saying that is just because he has a bit of youth on his side, so that's it. I'm going with Pettis by stoppage. I think that's the the right on the wall there. Stoppage. How 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 much um, how many miles on the clock do you reckon? Like like would Pettis be similar the same amount of fights? Uh, I don't know. I think many, many. Cerrone uh, has more fights, obviously. Actually, what am I talking about? Of course, he has more fights. But they started about the same time, did they? Yes. Yeah, Cerrone uh, Cer- is thirty-six and fourteen, and Pettis is twenty-two and ten. Both busy, yeah. Both busy. Though. Yeah, both busy guys. Um, yeah, gonna go, gotta say Pettis. I'm gonna go Cerrone. <laughs> Big main event. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, it's like we, as Chuck was saying there. I mean, it's almost a must win for for Tony because you know everyone wants to see the Khabib fight, but Gaethje is no you know stand in fight to see what happens. Yeah, it's, it's, every, everyone was saying at one point that Gaethje was the man to beat uh, Khabib. Khabib. You know, yeah. he's got good wrestling, and uh, you know he puts his hands on you, you're gone. So it'd be interesting. I think it's a uh, it's Gaethje's fight to win. I, I think I think Gage is gonna knock him out. Do you think yeah. I think he's gonna finish him. I think people think Tony's chin is better than it is. He gets dropped a lot. Like I know he recovers. It's like Vondelay back in the day. There's only so long yeah, he can yeah. do that for. You know? You get dropped and come back. But like I think they get into a crazy exchange. And I think the other thing is sometimes when Tony gets into trouble he uses wrestling. He can't do that with Gage. He won't be able to take him down. Well, like I'm imagining, you got an what is he, an NC, two-time NCAA All-American? He's going yeah. to have good wrestling defense, you know. If it got, if it does go to the ground, will Tony Smith? If 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 Gaethje takes takes him down, he'll get subbed, I reckon. From uh, from Tony out was back from the guard. Yeah, I I don't think he'll do that though. I think he'll just bang, like he'll just swing. I couldn't coach that guy. Could not deal with him. Couldn't deal with him. I, I'd imagine how being his fitness coach, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's just I've seen I've only seen like a couple of videos and the guy is crazy like he's super athletic but he's yeah. nuts nuts like he like ma- imagine you're just going you're in the corner you're there alright that the double legs on the double leg, and he's just swinging haymakers at lads like you know just and he has phenomenal wrestling like phenomenal there's the thing with the Connor fight so like I think Gaethje could be uh, I think I think Tony can be Khabib I think Gaethje can beat Tony. I think Connor can beat Gaethje or Tony. And I, I think he struggles with Khabib. I think it's a mad little triangle going on there. A little bit of paper, rock, scissors. Yeah, it could be. It's interesting because <laughs> I don't think we've had a division like that for a while where the belt could pass quickly between lads, but staying in the same four or five, you know? It used to be years ago when I was sort of, I started watching it. The low heavyweight division was where it was yeah. at. Chuck, Campage, yeah. Randley. Now it's yeah. just the lightweight. Yeah. yeah, how much just the lightweight is uh, seems to be the best division there. Yeah, I I think like um, yeah, I think Tony thinking his chin will hold up with someone like Connor isn't going to work. You no, know? different, it's different. Like, 
And then I think Gaethje, depending on his fight style, could give Conor trouble or couldn't. If he stands him, he's going to get knocked out cold. Out cold, you know. Um, I think then Khabib can't take Gaethje then and gets thumped around in the open. It's a mad out. See, I watched Khabib wrestling. There was some video on YouTube. And DC brings like all these... Uh, wrestlers in I think they're going to the Olympics like they're yeah yeah American Khabib walks in says hey DC I'm gonna go to your boy him 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 and manhandled every last one did he did he not struggle with your, one of them until he got onto the wall this is the thing I, I, I yeah. like so if, he, if you actually watch him his and probably very similar to me and your style Paul uh, he's not really wrestling out in the open. He uses the cage a lot. So he, he drives people to the cage and then singles, picks up a single, kicks the leg out, stuff like that. Yeah. He doesn't do traditional wrestling. But the problem is with someone like Gaethje, will he get the entry to get him there? That's the problem. Mm. You know, like you, you've, like you said, you've traveled and so have I to train and you've been with those NCAA high-level guys. You can't grab a single on them in the open. You're not getting a buy on anything. Probably the hardest guy I've wrestled, and he was—I think he's the only one to give Khabib a hard time. Uh, and I, I ended up doing nearly a full month with him. Was that guy? Uh, oh, Brazilian guy. Yeah, I thought he won that fight. I thought he won the Khabib. A lot fight. of people did, yeah. Uh, at least it's about a normal stomach, normal form. And I thought Norman beat him. <laughs> yeah, I think he got the nod against Norman. And, yeah, he's the hardest guy I've ever tried to take down. Just. Oh, just like a tank sprawling on your head. Yeah, that fight was weird. He was pressing Khabib against the cage a lot, and he ended up losing yeah. the decision. All week I was going with Ferguson to win, but after listening to you two, now I'm going with Gaethje to win. Is that is that we going all three of us going Gaethje? Are we? I'll go Gaethje. I've got Gaethje in that one. That's a weird. That's gonna. I right, so the odds are pretty good if he's a gambling man. <laughs> what two to one? Uh, I have. I put a, I, I don't, like, I'm not much of a gambler, like, uh, but uh, I put uh, Gaethje, Dom, Nganu, and what's your man who's fighting that uh, NFL player? Oh, Hardy. Hardy. I had all them, them five to win, and if I put a tenner on it, it's like 180 quid back. Nice. And they're all, like, decent odds, like, like they're all, they could all very much win those fights, like. Yeah, and speaking that the uh, Dominic Cruz um, is back after three and a half years and he gets his bantamweight title shot again against Henry Cejudo. What are we expecting from Dom? I, I think that's weird. I think they, they, they should have gave it to Peter Yan. I agree with I, you, yeah. I think, like, and obviously, I, they, I don't know what the story is, the travel restrictions with all this COVID stuff and all going down. They probably It was probably the only thing that was on the table or it was... Probably the easiest thing for the UFC to do, you know, Cruz, can you fight? Yeah, can you fight? Yeah, all right. You know, no one's going to bat an eyelid if you get in. I think three and a half years, four years is a long time to be out mm. of a championship fight, let alone just coming back to the own three rounds with a gimme, a, a gimme fighter. So, Judo, love my liking, my hate, my whatever, is a good fighter, like a really good, really good fighter. So... Cruz has his work cut out for him. I know Cruz is great at what he does. He's slick. He can back off uh, a two-year layoff to a great performance against uh, TJ. And then didn't do too well against Garbrandt. But I think I think it was Styles made that fight. I think at the time, Garbrandt's footwork was just as solid as uh, Cruz's. Um, so I think Cruz has his work cut out for him for this fight. Do you see... Uh... Do you see um, Cejudo struggling with the range? 
because Cruz likes to find the outside and like obviously Sudo's very short for the division. Small, yeah. Like very short, you know. Well, that's he's gonna have to, I suppose, even just to set up the shots, like the feints and all. He's gonna have to wrestle early to set up the feints for later on. But Cruz is a pretty good wrestler too, and his style is so awkward. He's changing stance constantly, which usually would leave you open for doubles. But he does it so well, like he's, he kind of avoids it somehow. If it goes into the latter rounds, is he gonna struggle with the fitness? I don't know. He didn't when he fought TJ after coming off a three-year layoff. So True, I'd yeah. imagine if he took the fight, he's ready. He knows what championship fights entail. Same as what you were saying. You kind of know you. You know the fitness you need. Do you know that kind of way? So I'm yeah. sure he, sure he didn't dive. He's, he seems like a smart dude. So I don't think he'd dive on it for, you know, just for the sake of the fight. Like, but it, it is unfortunate for Peter Yan. Um, like big time, I feel it. Killer, that guy yeah. is killer. Yeah, he's unreal. Yeah, he's excellent. I, I think Dom beats him. I think he decisions him. I think I think it, like he takes three rounds. That's how it works out. Like picking him apart on the outside. I'll say Sudo three round. I'll go the so outside. We can round about it. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll do. I think he might just outwalk him in the latter rounds a little bit, maybe. Just, just so everyone's aware, Paul's picking most of the favourites here. So I'm taking the outside <laughs> bet. Just, if he ends up right, it's not really that like great or anything. Cause, it's because I know every piss. <laughs> and I suppose just like looking through the card it even you know it kicks off with a great fight between Uriah Hall and Jacare Souza. I mean that'll have eyes on it from the off they're on the yeah. card I didn't even see that yeah, yeah it's on the first prelim yeah first prelim Jacare on with fuck off I think I think Jacare is going to wreck him I think he'll sub him early yeah Hall will struggle to keep him off what I will say is Jacare blows hot and cold he's just when he's on, he can knock in. I've seen him knock guys out with the hands and stuff like that, and strike force. And then when he obviously a sub game is, is there all day, but he just blows hot and cold, like really hot and cold. What, yeah, what happened to his light heavyweight adventure? He went up thinking that's where he wanted to fight from now on. Came back down then. Who who did he fight at light heavyweight? Last fight was light heavy, wasn't it? Black bitch, yeah. He yeah. lost the split decision there. I suppose that's not. That's not a bad thing. Like back, he's next for the fucking light heavyweight yeah, title. That's what I mean. I, I would have would have thought he might have stayed up. Then I'm surprised he's a big dude, isn't he? Huge. But then so was Yeah, yeah. I I heard um a few people say to me like like training with Shaq Ray, like that he's like literally the strongest person they ever felt. Like his grips and all that kind of stuff was just actually ridiculous. Like ridiculous. <laughs> He grabs your wrist and you just go, I'll leave that there, I'll come back for it later. Yeah. You know that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, he's a freak. Um, do you think Uriah Hall is, I mean, he, he came out of the, the ultimate fighter, you know, with some killer knockouts, swinging kicks and all sorts of things. I remember he, he brutally knocked out your man Adam Sella. And I think even um, Chael Sonnen said to him, you know, you're one of the top contenders in the middleweight division right now. He hasn't really lived up to the, the promise, do you think? Or is that a, a too tough a statement to say? No, again, I think he blows hot and cold too. Like, it's easy for me to say, like, sitting on the armchair here. Um, you know, it's he just hasn't got, he hasn't had that steady, you know, six, seven point run where your confidence, go, confidence goes up to an all time high and your point, the confidence is huge. Point. If you're coming, if you're going win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, hot and cold, it's hard to get that momentum, you know what I mean? Um, 
I think Dustin Poirier is a, a good example. He was on a tear at the WEC, came out there, had sort of hit and miss at featherweight, got beat by Connor, went up to the lightweight division, and then just ran through everybody up there, went on like a seven, eight point win streak, and his confidence, I think, is it, it, huge in that. So I just don't think he's, he, he was, you're right, I ever got that, you know what I mean? I, th- I think he was probably, um, as well, unlucky probably isn't the right term, but like, it was probably the best um, middleweight group in ever. That he was when he came out of the house. So you had like Rockhold, Weidman, uh, you had Anderson, you had Jacare, you had Machida, you had uh, like you had this like Bisping, killer, yeah, yeah. killer, you know I mean? yeah, killers, like like guys that'll be most of them be in the Hall of Fame, you know, that kind of way. So he he was he came into that group and he was never, yeah, it was going to be hard to be a standout in that group, like hard to and, even break top ten, really. Like. Yeah, true. And just, just even, all right, so on, on the spot, who are you going with in that fight? Jack Ray. Jack Ray, yeah. Sober, I reckon. Ah, look, I'm going to give your eye a hard shout in this one. <laughs> what are you giving him? What are you, uh, what are you giving him? Spinning kick or something? Early stoppage. Why not? Early stoppage. <laughs> Old statement's getting thrown out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. I can always delete it out later on. If it yeah, just edit all my stuff if it's wrong as well, will you? <laughs> <laughs> well, just looking at, on the prelims as well, I mean, there's a three early prelims fight on Fight Pass, and then you have Uriah Hall, Jackery Souza, Carla Esparza, Michelle Watterson, uh, Olenek against Verdum, and then obviously the main event. That's a good three. fight. Olenek Verdum is a deadly little fight. I, it probably won't go to the deck, but if it goes to the deck, it's a very interesting scrap on the ground. That Fabrizio when he on was back. Yeah, yeah. And and your man Olenek, you know, with the um, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's an interesting scrap, know, isn't it? I don't even know what Dylan was back. I need to read up more on this stuff. I'll, I'll send you the link probably, next week for the show. <laughs> yeah, probably like when we're doing the chat, you probably look at who's going to be fine on the card. It'd be like a little kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a that's an interesting scrap on the deck. They're two of the better heavyweight grapplers. Well, they're probably two of the best. Like. But Dylan's class. Yeah, he's really good. And your man Olenek's crazy for a sub. I don't see him catching any of that kind of uh, sneaky stuff from Verdum, though. I don't see him, you know, Verdum's high level, like high level grappler. Good striker too. That's what I think will happen. I think Verdun will just keep it on the feet. Anyone will pick him apart. Your man Olenek isn't great on the feet. He's kind of sloppy. Trudges in a bit. Are we going with Verdun then by uh, decision, are we? Verdun, TKO. Yeah, I'd probably agree with Paul on that one, yeah. Sure, we'd all agree with, we'd all agree with Paul, so. Yes! <laughs> and like, even I, feel, that, I, feel like, I feel like I set that up for him there, though, and then he yeah. just stole it like he thought of it all. Like. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So that's what I do, Simon. You know what I mean? That's what I do. I steal people's ideas. That's strike one, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but like that's even that that prelim card leads in then to obviously Pettis and Cerrone. That that could be a fight night on its own. And then into the main event, we have um, Greg Hardy against De Castro, Jeremy Stevens against Calvin Kizar, and then obviously the Nganu, Rosenstruck, Sahudo Cruz, and it's some card. Yeah, it's actually. Jesus, Steve, Steve, uh, Steve Stevens against Qatar is a great fight as well, isn't it? Or Cater, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. That's a that's that's a like some serious strike in there. That but comes to fight every fight. Yeah, and your man boxing out. is very slick. Your man Cater, uh, it's Cater or Qatar. How do you? We go with Cater. Yeah. yeah, he's he's like he's boxing's very slick. Moves on the outside. It could be a great fight. That. 
And who are you going with that one then? I think your man Cater decisions him. I'll go with Stevens. I'm going to uh, go with Stevens as well, I think. On this yes. One. Nice. TKO? Do you reckon Stevens TKOs him? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think this is going decision. No, I think, yeah. TKO. Toward round. We'd say, we'd say the toward round. Just to meet somewhere in the middle, you know? <laughs> well, listen, lads, thanks for joining the first ever uh, Flat to the Mat. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great weekend. Great, a great card of fights. And uh, we'll look for sure we'll pick up next week.